This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Rita Liu. Good morning. And we'll be talking about handling a toxic environment on this lovely Monday morning. <laughs> but before we get into that discussion, Richard Bradbury here in the studio with me because we have a discussion at noon. We do. Morning, Frida. Mm. Uh, we will be talking about uh, job interviews of a different style. Uh, we've heard all kinds of different styles and all kinds of ways in which they are supposedly better and more uh, economical and more efficient. How about being interviewed for a job via text message? <laughs> seems to be the most efficient and economical a lot of people are saying nowadays anyway. I'm not so sure I agree with that. The idea is how do you feel about being interviewed via text message? Let us know. 018-789-8899 on WhatsApp. Get us on Twitter or on Instagram. We are at BFM Radio. Or coming up on BizBytes at noon. Alright, that's, that's uh, Richard Bradbury. Of course, he'll be back a little later. Now, so as I was saying, we're talking about handling a toxic environment. So there are many employees who work in toxic environments and do not even realise it. Uh, they encounter backbiting, jealousy, gossip, unfair treatment, being given the cold shoulder, other negative behaviours in their colleagues, and take it as norm. So outside, they appear to be putting in their day's work, but inside the people environment, they're surrounded with a quietly but surely taking their toll uh, on their psyches. A toxic workplace can be defined as any job where the work, the atmosphere, the people, or any of these combination of things seriously affect your peace of mind, your self-esteem, your mental and physical health, and even your relationships. So, as usual, it is the final Monday of the month. That's today. Uh, we have Human Equation founder Sheila Singham. So this time, uh, she's going to share insights on how to handle toxic relationships in and out of the workplace through case studies. Um, very interesting. So, um, and I guess all these are real-life situations, and you know, I guess most of us would at one time or another experience this or know people with experiences. Um, this is the first case study, Sheila. Uh, I don't feel happy going to work anymore and I can't relate to many of my colleagues anymore. Uh, all they seem to talk about when we get together for lunch or outings is other people's business, which I believe is gossiping. I believe I'm not motivated anymore because I'm in a toxic environment. How do I handle my situation? Hi, morning, Frida. <laughs> now, first of all, I would ask this person, are you sure you are really in a toxic environment? I mean, first of all, you got to recognize what's a toxic environment, okay? It's like you look around you, if people are full of fear, people are not talking to each other, people are afraid to give feedback. There's a high turnover of employees, people coming and going. Um, you know, there's mm. a lot of shouting, meanness, people are falling sick. And then, you know, you have controlling, narcissistic bosses and power struggles, employees competing in an unhealthy way with each other, um, gossiping, backbiting, all that's part of it. But and listening to this case study, I'm not 100% convinced that it's really a toxic environment, mm -hmm. right? A lot of colleagues minding other people's business doesn't a toxic environment make up, okay? Mm. Gossip's just one element. So I think um, looking at this person, what, what he said is that I don't feel happy going to work anymore. I can't relate to my colleagues. I'm not motivated. I think some self-evaluation yeah. is needed here. I think you need to take some time out, you know, whoever you are. You need to take some time out and you need to... Um, do some introspection and ask yourself, what is the reason you're not motivated? Is it because you feel you've learned everything you can on the job? Mm. Is the job not challenging anymore? Is it not exciting? Is it not fulfilled anymore? I don't think um, if you're really good at your job and you're really excited in your job, 
uh, a few a handful of people out there who are you know a certain way not really going to demotivate or demoralize you or, or kill your spirit mm-hmm. but if you you if you are not excited about your job if, if you don't have that drive that push that sense of purpose in what you're doing I think that is more important at that point in time than the people I admit that having nasty people around can really put a spanner in mm. you know in, in the works and in and, and it sort of inhibit your 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 creativity and your excitement and all that but really it, and this is where I talk about operating at cause and effect you know, if you're going to operate at cause and you take your responsibility for your own state, your own feelings, you need to examine yourself. So I'm not convinced that it's a toxic environment right. with the people here that are the issue. I think this person needs to sit down and really ask themselves, what do they want out of life moving forward? Mm. And if they feel they're not getting it in the present job, and that's one of the signs uh, that it's time for you to go on and maybe to a higher level or go and explore some other area of, of you know, a, your career. Mm. Uh, I can tell you that from my own personal experience, when the stirrings begin to start, that right. you feel not motivated anymore. Even the people and what they're taught, once upon a time, you be exciting to be these people but now you don't it's probably because you kind of outgrown them Mm. so you also need to look at your value system are your career values being fulfilled in this job Mm. Mm? so that that is something that needs to be you you need to sit down and do and get a clear picture of the reason you are feeling yeah i i I remember about 10 years ago i felt like you know really is this more to life that kind of thing and then i guess we'll go through different life stages um you know even when my son was younger and then my son is older and then you start questioning these things and sometimes it's a lot of as you say self-evaluation before blaming it on everything else correct right yeah okay here's another interesting case study now since i started my new job in a management position a year ago i haven't been feeling comfortable with work. The culture is totally different from my previous workplace, which had a flat structure, an open concept office. There were lots of, there was lots of camaraderie, camaraderie and ideas and feedback were always welcome as part of the process of innovating. So in my new job, there's a lot of hierarchy and very little communication. I notice many small cliques who hang around together, but make no effort to socialize with others. I'm beginning to think I made a mistake coming here. What should I do? Again, Frida, I'm not 100% convinced that it's really a toxic environment. Mm. It seems to me that I get the feeling this is just a very stilted and formal environment where people have not really encouraged the culture of giving and receiving feedback because sometimes it's very patriarchal, hierarchical kind of um, system in the organization. Right? So I wouldn't say that this person has made a mistake mistake moving to the organization i never ever believe it's there's such a thing as a mistake doing something Mm -hmm. because in everything that you do even if it doesn't work out there is always a lesson to be learned Mm -hmm. so i believe that maybe instead of looking at it as i owe a mistake i came here this this culture is different from where i came from maybe you're there to make a difference right right so you already know how to do a chilled out, relaxed culture. Why not take that and slowly introduce small changes in the current culture? Mm. I mean, first of all, you cannot affect the whole culture. Maybe your manager and your own team. So start with your team. Right. Well, yeah. Start flattening the structure of your team. 
Mm. You know, first of all, if people are calling you Miss Frida, for example, mm. say, hey, just call me Frida. Mm. You know, I've had people come and tell me, you know, everyone in this new company, they want me to address them as Dato and Tuan this mm. and Mr. this and Miss this. And like, why? The minute you have all these sort of uh, mm. titles and all that, it creates hierarchy, okay? Right. So, and have an open door policy, lah. Make clear, make it clear to people that they can come in anytime and tell you anything, and you're not going to react badly. You're you're not going to take it personally. You're going to take that constructive feedback and you're going to act on it. You know, if you ask people for feedback, then you don't do anything about it. Hmm. Then it's pointless. People say, "Ah, yeah, it's not all I wash on Nila." You know what I mean? <laughs> so do something about it. Act on the feedback, and if you can't, then give a reasonable explanation, and you also learn to give feedback in a constructive and gracious way. Maybe before. They've had people talking down to them. So don't talk down to someone. Make it a two-way discourse where they can also give you input on how you can help them improve. The next thing is, you, you said that there were cliques here. So I encourage people to socialise. For example, you initiate once or twice a week, you go out for lunch, ask different team members from different cliques to come together. Mm. At first, they're going to feel a bit uncomfortable. But then again, you come from a chilled out, mm. relaxed kind of culture. You know how to do this. Get them to start talking about non-work issues. Mm. So there's no threat. Mm. You know, so then slowly they get to know each other. Then uh, in the office, they go and, you know, to the water cooler. They might have coffee together and things like that. And then you slowly bring down the silos, you break the clicks and get everyone interacting. Another thing is when you are doing projects and new tasks and all that, do some brainstorming sessions. Bring people from the different cliques and groups together. Bring people at a higher position, lower position. Tell the new executive or intern, I want to hear your ideas. Mm. And and create a safe environment where everyone's ideas have to be respected. Mm. Whether you can use or not. Mm. Uh, if you can't use it, okay, we'll KIV for another time when we are more ready for it. But right now, this is what we can use. Right? Mm. And then start empowering and delegating. Mm. I see that in a lot of hierarchical um, sort of um, structures, there's a lot of control going on from the top down because everyone wants to, they think that it's being accountable, but actually it's also about control. Mm. So um, just start empowering people in small ways, delegate in small ways, and then reward them, you know, sometimes take them for meetings with your senior management team and let them talk instead of you doing the talking so that the voices are heard. In some ways, you're also educating the other managers and senior management that empower your people. Right. Uh, okay. Thanks, Ms. Sheila. <laughs> so but, funny. You are. But, but it's also like, a, what did Gandhi say? Be the change you want to see in the exactly. world. Right? You be the change. Right. We'll talk about other case studies uh, after this. I'm here with uh, Human Creation founder Sheila Singham. Stay tuned to Enterprise, BFM 89.9. Buggy Free Minum, BFM 89.9. The Business Station. Good morning. This is Frida Liu listening to Enterprise. I'm here with uh, Sheila Singham from Human Equation. We're talking about handling a toxic environment, uh, throwing a couple of case studies out there, uh, stories we've all heard, and how, you know, we would approach this. So we're on to our third case study, and this is, I've just been hired as the HR manager in my company by its new CEO. He acknowledges the culture the company needs work as there are many signs of toxicity toxicity, okay, such as high turnover, high number of people taking medical leave, (coughs) gossiping, passive-aggressive behaviours and so on. It's a culture that's been allowed to send in for more than a decade. How do I even begin? 
Well, the fact that uh, the new CEO acknowledges the toxic culture is actually a very good sign because mm. a lot of people at the top don't want to see it, don't want to acknowledge it. So that means that and it's hired you in and asked you to do something about it. So first thing you need to do is, um, you know, get his assurance that whatever it is that you're going to be implementing will have his full support. Mm. All right. And then come up first with an initial plan. The first thing that you need to do is understand that dismantling a uh, culture is that has been there set for 10 years is not going to be easy. Yeah. Okay, a lot of people be demoralized, very unhappy, very angry and so on. First thing that you need to do is I would recommend the approach of having focus group sessions with small groups of people or for those who are more reticent have one-on-one sessions with them. And ask them, prepare a set of questions that discover their thoughts and feelings about the current culture and also about the kind of culture that they would like to see, uh, environment they would like to have in the company they work for. Okay? And then also get some of their ideas on how to achieve it. Hmm. Very often when we want to embark on culture change, we uh, senior management comes up with this idea, oh, we're going to do this and this will work for the people and nobody asks the people. Hmm. The best source of information of what do you want to see in terms of maybe the physical environment, uh, how people should be. Usually the physical environment also has an impact on, on culture, right? So compile all the ideas and initially, because yeah, uh, the question was asked, how do I begin? Take the best 10, the most popular best 10, and the ones that will give you the quickest results in the shortest time and start that first. Mm. And then the rest slowly do it in stages, okay? Another thing that once you have those and all that, uh, come up with a plan, have a town hall session. Mm. I always feel that a town hall session with the big boss, the CEO there, to listen to people and let people, you know, use him as a sounding board. It's really, really very active. As they say in Malay, it's like meluakan perasaan. Mm. I'm just like getting everything off my chest and you're listening. So he, he And then um, also get the CEO to give an honest evaluation of the situation without blaming the past management or anything. If things have been done wrong, there have been unfair dismissals, you know, people have been treated badly and all that, apologize. And sometimes we always underestimate the power of an apology because the mm. person delivering the apology feels that, oh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's like admitting that I failed or bringing shame on myself. I think the apology is one of the most graceful things you can do, especially in a corporate setting. You know, even if you look at countries which have done sort of corporate apologies for the their behavior right. to certain other races, it's just been so... You know, it's it just been received so well. Yeah. So that's the next thing. And also then tell the people how they're valued and assure them that in future their voices will be heard. Hmm. Okay? And tell them how you're going to be setting up sort of platforms of communication to ensure that there's always two-way communication. The next thing that needs to be done is the culture, the old culture, we don't know what values there were or whether there were values at all. So you need to install new values. Values, I believe, are the driver for organizational culture. They're like the roots that hold up that that, that you know, draw water and hold up the culture. So, but then a lot of again, a lot of people make the mistake bringing an external consultant who just you know talks to a few people and says, okay, this should be the values. You gotta look at where the people came from, mm. what were their, <clears throat> you know, what were, were their grievances and all that. And from there, see what were the values that were not met that need to be met. 
and ask the people also. So if people have felt in the past that they were always disrespected, they were put down, they were talked down to, so ask them, is respect important to you? Mm. And if you get an overwhelming yes, then that should be one of the company values. So of course you're going to get like maybe about 10 or 20. Then you got to go and talk to people and ask them. So it's always going back to the people. yeah. Mm. So once you have extracted maybe five values or condensed them into five values, there will be like sub-values. Like I'm going to say integrity then honesty and openness all comes under that right so after that then you do workshops then you bring people in uh, someone consultant what to do workshops on how what these values mean and what practicing these values will do for the organization moving forward and how do we translate those values into behaviors mm. okay so but finance team Integrity might be different from customer service team. It can't all be the same behaviors. So ask them, what does this mean for your division, your department to practice these values? And then after that, give rewards for people who visibly practice the behaviors that reflect the values. So instead, I mean, companies focus so much on KPIs in, in, in sort of meeting the, the, the work tasks. Why not introduce into part of the KPIs your ability to practice and reflect the corporate values. When when you do that, people begin to see that it's really, really important. Hmm. Okay. <coughs> All right. Uh, here's another case study. Um, I generally have a great bunch of colleagues at work and we enjoy working together. The problem is our boss. He's foul-mouthed, moody, and appears to enjoy scolding and putting us down. We all think he's toxic and really bad for morale. How do we handle him? When I tell people, just talk to your boss, they look at me in horror like, are you kidding me? Are you asking me to walk into the lion's den and be eaten? Mm. Okay, so what does a lion do? A lion hardly ever preys on a lone animal, mm. right? It, I mean, it hardly preys on a herd. Yeah. So it always looks for the lone mm. animal. So if you're going to go and give this guy feedback, don't do it alone. Huh? Mm. If you're brave enough, fine, go. Mm. Of course, there might be some repercussions. He might turn around and say, who are you to tell me this? Nobody else complaining what? Yeah, okay, because everyone's scared of you. I'm mm. not. You know, of course, there might be repercussions. You must be willing to stand up like a and man up and, you know, mm. take whatever. Stand given and be to, counted. Yeah, mm. that's it. That That's what, for me, that's what integrity is. You know, if you believe something is not right, you stand up and speak up about it. But if you are uh, like a bit nervous, huh, get a bunch of people together, take the boss out, say, look, we'd like to have a chat. Let's go out, have coffee, tea, come, we want to buy you lunch or something, mm. and then have a chat. And of course, you can't just la launch right in and say, hey, we don't like the way you're talking, all your language and all that. You've got to go, you've got to be very diplomatic and say, boss, you know, we really appreciate your competencies. We really appreciate that working under you, we get to learn so much technically. Mm. Um, and we want to do more for the company and give you more. But sometimes it's very demoralizing uh, the way you school us. We don't mind if you school us. But when you do it in front of people, it's very shameful, embarrassing. And then sometimes people also, it undermines us in front of our juniors and all that. <laughs> You want to call us, call us into the room mm. and have a conversation with us. But one thing, like, I know, um, sometimes I've used this, right? I've, I, I've used this with bosses. I say, boss, sorry, I'm a Christian. I don't do foul language. Mm. Follow the words all I cannot, you know, because mm. it's, it's very jarring on me. So please don't. Huh? And, and this has been my own experience. But of course... You people listen. You know, people could turn around and say, "Yala, Sheila, you're very brave, la. I know you. You speak here, you speak there, but understand that at one point I was also an employee. Mm. I also had bosses like this, and I also summoned up the courage to tell them, 
very you do it very quietly you don't do drama mm. you know, when you do drama uh, against drama it doesn't work lah right. huh? two dramas and then you add on some more <laughs> like you get real indian drama it doesn't work what you need to do is just go there and very rationally give feedback right. in a rational way when you do this this is the repercussions and also boss at the end of the day we would have far more respect for you if you came and told us rationally right and if you allow people to get away with bad behavior towards mm. you who's to blame right you right mm. if you allow people to bully you and treat you badly and all that uh, then if you allow the toxic people to flourish in your midst then what what would you do if you had uh, toxic fumes in your midst mm. you would fight it right you would uh, pour water call fire department so you you need to mitigate lah mm. you need to take that stand and talk to this person you can't do it alone do it in a group Right, uh, and and no, the, the sandwich as well. Uh, I mean, it was like not aggressive, you know, like compliment, uh, uh. and then sort of comment, and then and over the compliment, yeah. the, the sandwich, the sandwich formula, right? Yeah, and hopefully, and and you're right, like maybe a group of people, then less defensive over a meal, that kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah, I think people are people at yeah. the end of the day. Uh, okay, here's another one uh, around gossip again. I can't stand <laughs> gossip, but at my workplace, I'm surrounded by a bunch of aunties <laughs> who gossip about everyone and everything all the time. They talk about the bosses private lives speculate on senior management decisions uh, bitch about who is sleeping with whom and turn the office into a cesspit of negative vindictive scandal mongering I have no choice but to work with them but I cannot stand these big mouths and their meanness I'm not the only one who feels this way how do I put a stop in the gossiping without them turning a table for me and making me the subject of their gossip the bullying mm. people gossip because it gives them power Mm. Right, so they think lah. Yeah, they yeah. think lah. When they sit down there and they have the rapt attention of people around looking at them, and they show off that they know this and they know that, right? It gives them a sense of importance. Mm. So at the end of the day, you need to find. Uh, in, in in NLP, we have what we call um, um, a six step reframe um, t- um, process, mm-hmm. where when somebody is getting a positive intention from an action. And you want to change that action because it's it's a bad 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 behavior. You need to give them another behavior where they can get the positive intention. So first thing, if you can do this, find other ways to affirm these aunties so that they don't have to sit down and gossip with you. But you know, praise or flatter them in other ways so that you're giving them that you know affirmation that they need, lah. Okay, the, the, of course that needs you to be very, very sort of persevering and very gentle and all that. Not everyone can tahan, ah, can do that sort of thing, right? So what you can do is you can't stop such people from gossiping, but one thing you can do is you can stop listening. Ah. So here's what I do, and when you know my strategy, and I if recommended this to people, when people around me start gossiping, giving negative criticism and all that. I just go. I just sort of close my facial expression, like go into a glazed look, like I'm somewhere else, like I'm not listening, okay? Or I do, and number. Or sometimes they say yes or not. Yes, or not Sheila. What do you think? And I just go, huh? Sorry, I I didn't hear what you're saying. I, I give some innocuous statement, like pretend that I'm not hearing. So they're like they don't get that feeling of power because yeah, I I kind of like what just cut them off, right? right? I'm not going to give energy to this. I'm not going to give energy to this. So one thing you do is uh, okay. Also, you can smile p- uh, politely when people start their 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 gossiping in the group like that. Say, "Ayo, I forgot. I've got work to do. I'm I'm going to go off and finish off my work, or I got to go to the toilet, or something like that." Okay. 
And then another thing is you are an other like-minded because uh, this person said that, you know, that there might be other people who, who feel that way. If you go to other people who don't feel like way, that way and they are there present when the gossiping is happening, start another conversation. Lah. Right. You break the state. Ah, break the state. Right. Start the conversation about, you know, the latest movie, do they think Rami Malek deserve uh, the Oscar for <laughs> you know, his Freddie Mercury portrayal <laughs> or where to eat? Hey, I read this review about the best restaurant. Some, something totally innocuous. So... They don't have an audience. Mm. So take away the audience from them, mm-hmm. okay? And then, of course, you can also start a conversation about spiritual matters, you know, some philosophical, do you believe in God? There's nothing like talking about God to just get <laughs> everyone into quieten down, you know? And then okay, another thing is you've got no choice, right? You uh. can't run away from these aunties. Reframe what they're saying in a positive way. Like, for yeah. example, they say, hey, I saw the boss, huh? Very close up with that pretty new intern. Mm-hmm. And turn around and say, yeah, isn't he a wonderful boss? I mean that he's giving this intern attention. He probably sees her potential and is really trying to help him. He's just got such a fatherly way. Reframe mm-hmm. it into something positive. They kind of look at you and say, what planet are you from? And then you could just turn around and say, yeah, but that could be it, right? Mm. And then look at them like, how can you have such a dirty mind right. kind of look, see? So you, you can play these games also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and another thing is, ask them, if they're saying something about someone, I say, how do you know they told you? Uh, oh, I'm going to ask them. Uh, oh, that'll shut them up immediately right. because they don't want the people they're gossiping about to know that they're the source. Right. So, so many ways, uh, if you want to play this game, to outsmart this, outwit this aunties. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I come from an Indian family, Lapita, <laughs> so I know exactly how to do this. <laughs> You've had tra- this training from birth. A lifetime of practice. <laughs> All right. We're going to go through um, other two more case studies. Uh, so do stay tuned to Enterprise, BFM 89.9. Be firmly motivated. BFM. 89.9. We're talking beyond frivolous matters here. We're talking about handling a toxic environment with Sheila Singham from Human Equation. She's here for the final Monday of the month. Um, so, you know, we're going through a couple of case studies on how to handle a toxic environment. Um, another case study here is I'm working on in what I believe to be a highly toxic environment. I've decided to get out. My boss picks on me all the time, shows favoritism, does not include me in discussions, expects me to only leave work when he leaves. However, I can't leave until I've got another job. How do I stay where I am in the meantime and still preserve my sanity? Well, since you're already planning to leave, first thing I would say is have a conversation with the boss. Mm. I did rec- actually recommended this to someone who just joined and then she, she said, he's so toxic over here, boss is not listening to me. I said, because if you're already planning to leave, you have nothing to lose. What? So have lunch, coffee and talk to the boss. And you know what? That was an entire paradigm shift for the boss. Mm. And then he got her, she got him on her side. And now the boss is working together with her. So sometimes you don't talk to people and tell them how you feel about Mm. the way they are behaving. They sometimes don't know because they operate according to their, you know, internal uh, programs. Mm. So sometimes you need to break that program and tell people that this is just not on. Okay, but assuming that you cannot tahan and you decided you want to leave. First thing you need to do is... Find people who feel the way that you do in the office and just develop friendships. You don't have to gossip about stuff, Mm. but just develop friendships so that you can actually learn to watch each other's back, Mm. you know, in in the office, all right? And then another thing is um, 
go and do something after work that will release stress. Take up hobby, take up, you know, Muay Thai or, you know, <laughs> run or walk or something like go to the gym, take up, a, do some home decor, uh, do some new hobbies or take up cooking or something because that will help you to get a sense of fulfillment mm. and also make sure you're living a fulfilling life outside of work to combat your nine-to-five drama. Lah. Mm. So at least it's like a safe haven you go to after right. that, something you look forward to. And the next thing is also keep, create lists to keep yourself busy. A list to help you stay focused on your tasks instead of the toxic atmosphere mm. and give you a reason to keep going every day. Right. Another thing I would advocate is set that well-formed outcome. If you're planning to move jobs, instead of just moving somewhere as a quick fix and you know the, a getaway plan, ask yourself what is it you really want to do with your life. Mm. You want to stick in this type of job? Do what kind of environment do you go to? Visualize it. People always underestimate the power of visualization. But what visualization is doing is is telling your brain, this is my uh, expect, expectation. Mm. So, And then what happens is your reticular activating system, your, your mind goes on to look for all those things that fit in with your picture and attracts them back. You know, people say the law of attraction is, is a lot of mumbo-jumbo. It's not. Mm. It's based on the NLP perception, pers- uh, uh, presupposition that perception is projection. What you have in your mind is what you send out there. Right. Okay? So that's what you need to do um, to have a visual of where you want to be. Go right down to what are you wearing, the environment you're in, where's that office, you know, does it mm. have lots of glass, mm. uh, sunlight coming in, or is it cheerful colours? Who are the people around you, that sort of thing. Okay, so that that's what um, eventually will attract. And then the next thing is, of course, to document everything you do. Hmm. If you have got a vindictive boss who wants to get you, every email should be documented. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, whatever he has said in the email, his tonality and all that, save it. So that uh, if you need to file a complaint eventually, there is that evidence there. And then, of course, start your exit strategy. Hmm. Okay? Um if things improve, you are able to talk to your boss and things improve, then you might not need an exit strategy. But if it does, um, help go and look. As I said, visualize, start applying, look for the exact kind of job you want. Uh, or if it's really so bad, consider taking a bridge job. Hmm. Someone is looking for like three months to six months a contract basis and is willing to pay you what you can to you know cover your needs and then some then do not take your exit strategy, go there and do the contract job or take sort of like a one-year freelance, you know, if you've got some work lined up which can, uh, with some retainers that can sustain you every month, just do that first. Mm. And allow yourself room to heal, mm. to, to let your self-esteem come back. I would, of course, also go and recommend coaching. Right. So talk to a coach to help you to get rid of all that toxicity, the negative emotions, the anger, the hurt, the low self-esteem, the limiting beliefs that you might you you might have acquired. I mean, you wouldn't believe it, Frida. A number of people who have come to me mm. who have been so abused uh, emotionally yeah. and hurt the and baggage uh. undermine just in the workplace mm. and develop the limiting beliefs about themselves people who are totally good at what they do and then you know they don't fit into somebody's norm of what should be done and how someone should be and then they're just totally demoralized so you just, just sit down and have those sessions to just remove those limiting beliefs break down those you know those those those, those um 
sort of feelings that they have inside, release it, clean them out and go. And sometimes if you keep going into toxic work environments and you're not able to manage yourself, that's why I say operate at cause instead of effect, right? right? If, you, if, you're, if you're very fragile and you can't do that, then you need to keep going and doing this clearing out. Toxicity needs to be cleared out now right. from time to time. Right. It's like a septic tank. You know, yeah. before that, in that water, all these <laughs> houses had those septic tanks where everything yeah. just goes inside. And then when it's full already, once in uh, 10, 20 years, uh, the truck will come and suck everything out. Uh, we need to do that as well <laughs> ourselves. Okay, <laughs> this is the final one. And this is, if you, uh, if you work in a toxic environment, you can always leave and get another job, right? But if you live with toxic people in the same house, you can't just up and leave. So that's my situation. The source of the toxic atmosphere in my home is my mother. She's critical of all I do and is always putting me down. She even condemns my artistic endeavours as rubbish. She's so negative that I can feel it in my body. Uh, we barely speak now and when we do, it leads to conflict. I'm at wit's end. What can I do? So, Frida, would you live in a rubbish dump? Right. So, what would you do? You leave. Leave. Lah. So, if you are a working adult and you can afford to leave leave go mm. and find another place and stay for the time being because if you cons- constantly being um subject to this negativity it's just going to consume you so go out and start doing the things that will help you to build up your confidence mm. <clears throat> take up hobbies go and do little jobs meet with people who think you're a great person Okay, if you cannot afford to move out and live on your own and all that, if you're a young person, cannot tango yourself, and all that, then go out and just stay with someone for the time being. Right. Now, this is actually a, a real case study. Line, no? So go and stay with someone for the time being and, uh, and heal and find yourself. Mm-hmm. Another thing you need to do is to learn to, to build boundaries. I am amazed by the number of people who don't have boundaries. So Mm. what I do is a visualization exercise. I ask them, first of all, imagine, do you have a boundary around yourself? Close your eyes and imagine if you did, what's the boundary like? Mm. And they're like, I don't have. I don't have a fence around myself. I don't have a wall around myself. We need to visualize this. Mm. So I do a visualization exercise where I get them to build a boundary, Mm. however they may imagine it. Okay, where and the environment you are in within the boundary you create, lah. whether you know you got one wall open to the sea, you got orchard trees, and all that sort of thing. So they create a wonderful environment and they put a wall around or the barrier, they want to put a glass barrier, brick wall, whatever, and have the entryways that allow people trespass inside and allow them to go out. Mm. So there are days when you need to raise the boundaries. There are days when you need to lower boundaries and you can do it because it's all in your mind. So I would recommend that these people do that and um, raise that boundary, have that boundary as a shield against toxicity and negativity. And then I get them to verbalize that boundary. I mean, go and tell people that, okay, you cannot say this to me. You cannot do this to me. This is unacceptable. And then, of course, mother would turn around and say, hello, I've been doing it for 30 years. Huh? Mm-hmm. Why suddenly? Because I decided suddenly I don't want any more. Because you have undermined me. I know you might love me, but this is a strange kind of love that you're showing me. Mm-hmm. And I need you to show me love in different ways. And if you cannot, then I have to remove myself from you until you're able to miss me enough and realize. And if you can't take it tough. 
Right. You have to protect yourself. We're not saying dishonor your parents and walk out on them. Mm. But we're saying that you need to... And I've helped so many people do this. Mm. And when we draw the boundary in the mind, they're like, okay. Then about a week or two later, I ask them, how your mother and you? Oh, no. Now when mom says something, I just, just pull up my hand. I said, nope, that's not acceptable. Right. You're undermining me or whatever. Because people can only treat you badly if you allow them to. Okay, and so we can love our families and we can, and our parents. And sometimes they're the ones who hurt us the most because we value them the most. So we need to tell them they do not have the right to say or do what they want. Okay, and sometimes that you need to warn people that if they continue to abuse you, you're going to walk away. And if necessary, you must walk away at least for a time. Otherwise, you'll be a toothless tiger. Lah. Hmm. No one take you seriously. It's painful. Yeah. But sometimes you've got to be cruel to be kind. Mm. And sometimes it's necessary to have some pain in a relationship um, where both parties understand and begin to adjust to each other. Right. So this is, so, you know, if you can't afford it, definitely just give yourself that space, right? Yes. It's not about dishonoring, just giving that space. Um, otherwise, you know, we just get caught stuck. And if you're not happy there, that can sometimes also bring, you can bring that to the workplace as well. Exactly. You know, because it is, you know, if you, eight hours at work, eight hours at home. Mm. It does affect how you live, you know, how your life's going to be. Yeah. Um, thanks for being with us. Very uh, important topic, you know, as we end the month and begin the new month about uh, handling a toxic environment. Sheila Singham from Human Equation will be back for the final Monday of next month. You've been listening to Enterprise BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.